Amen. God bless you. You may be seated if you would. What a great day. Isn't it a great day? It is a great time to be alive. And you say, well, what makes you say that? Because I, I believe that God doesn't do anything by accident or by chance. Nothing surprises God. You didn't wake up this morning and, and, and uh, you know, if you had a flat tire, God didn't look at it and say, boy, I didn't see that coming. Uh, God is in charge. And, and I look at our world today, and you, sometimes people will ask me, they say, well, why, why are you so excited about living in this time? It's because we live in one of the most amazing times in history. We live in a time where the church... The voice of the church, you and I, can really have a significant difference and make a significant difference and take what we think is upside down and have it turned right side up. We live in a time of a leadership vacuum. You say, well, what is a leadership vacuum? It's, it's when it's, it's a time when everybody knows that there's a problem, but nobody's stepping up to solve it. There, we live in that time. In, in uh, World War II, it was such a time. Hitler, Hitler rose to power in a, in, a, in a leadership vacuum. During World War I, after World War I, there were so many penalties put on Germany that it was just overbearing, and they were unable to... to uh, meet the demands that the rest of the world had put on them. And then the great stock market crash in 1929 and the world was in an economic uh, disaster. Anything sound familiar to you? And, 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 during, and during that time, there was a man in England, Winston Churchill, and nobody liked him. He was rude. He was crass. But the prime minister of the time was a man named Chamberlain. And, and when Hitler rose to power, Chamberlain went over to, and met with Hitler. And when he came back, he made the famous statement, we have peace in our time. And then in 1939, they declared war on Germany. And, and the rest is Hitler. At, at that point in 1939, uh, September 3rd, Churchill became leader of the, of the Navy, of Britain's Navy, and then he became prime minister. And it wasn't because people liked him. It wasn't because he was uh, well-loved. It was because he offered leadership. He gave direction. He gave purpose. He gave meaning to life. I believe today that, that we're experiencing a similar situation in our world today. That there is a struggle for power and control, not only in the U.S., but around the world. And I would say it's, it even is in the church as well. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. It says, when there is no vision, no vision, no direction, no purpose, no, no, no voice that's saying this is the way to go. This is what we need to do. This is 
the, the plan that we have. When there is no vision, people cast off restraint. They become, they start doing whatever they want to do. When there is no centralized voice that says, this is the right way to go, you will find a nation or a country or the world fall apart. And, and I don't believe it's just political. It's not just in the U.S. It's not just in other countries. But I believe that there is, a, there is something that's deeper, more significant than what we're seeing on the surface. I believe that, that what we're experiencing in our day and time is a spiritual battle for the souls of men. I believe the adversary of the, of the church, the adversary of Christ, is, is trying to pull as many souls to him as he can. And it's not because he likes people. The, the devil doesn't like people. In fact, he hates people. He hates them because they have what he never had. Because not at one time, the scripture says not at any time, did God ever look at an angel and say, you're my son or you're my daughter. But here we are, humanity, made lower than the angels. And he moves heaven and hell and, and earth to, to get to us, to redeem us, to pardon us, to set us free. And he calls us the children of the living God. The devil doesn't like you. The devil doesn't like the world. He's in a spiritual battle because he hates God. And he hates humanity because God loves humanity. And I believe that this is a great opportunity for you and I in this world that we live in, in this time when people are running after this voice and running after that voice, running after this, this, this person and running after that person and, and listening to this one and listening to that one and, and they don't really know how to identify or to find significance in their life and purpose in their life. I believe today is a great day because you and I, the church of God, the hands and the feet and the voice of Christ have a great opportunity to proclaim the direction that the world needs to go. I'm the only one here. I, I want to talk to you uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles or in your phone. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm getting up with the times. First uh, Kings chapter 1. I want to talk to you uh, a, a similar situation that Judah was in, that the nation of Judah was in during the time of, of King David. In First Kings, uh, David is, is older. He's at the very end of his 40-year reign over Israel. And there's not much voice or much direction that is coming out of the, of, the, of the palace. That David is not giving, not leading with authority because he's in the very last days of his life. And there is a leadership vacuum that has taken place. And in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Now Adonijah, don't you love that name, Adonijah? Uh, the son of Haggith, that's even worse, uh, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. Now, now, Adonijah was the fifth son 
of David. And, and all the other ones were, were either dead or, or incapacitated and were unable to be king. So in his own mind, as most kingdoms did, it was the oldest son. It was the one he felt that he should be king. And I want you to, to notice something in here, that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself. There's something really pro, uh, profound about that. There's always somebody that's willing to exalt themselves in a time of leadership vacuum. In a time when people are looking for direction, there's always somebody that will step up and try to fill the void of leadership. And he was right in his own eyes. In his own understanding, he believed that he needed to be the one. You know, the, but in Scripture, the Bible tells us that, that Christ was exalted by God. He didn't exalt himself. In fact, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that he made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant. And, and, and as he was crucified, then it says that God highly exalted him and gave him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ didn't exalt himself, but notice that the adversary of our soul, Satan, always exalts himself. And you can always look when somebody exalts their own self, when they're pushing their own self forward, you have to look at the motive behind it. Is it because they, they feel that God is doing it, or do they feel like they deserve it? And Adonijah, not one time in Scripture, does Adonijah ever refer to God and ask God what he wanted. It was everything about Adonijah and what he felt he should do. Isaiah 14, the devil, uh, in talking about the devil, the Scripture says that when, uh, when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he, he looked at what God had and he said, I will ascend into heaven and I will sit on the throne and I will be like the most high God. So he ascended himself. He made himself. He, he decided that he would exalt himself. And that's why Jesus said, I saw him kicked out of heaven because he exalted himself. The number one thing that you want to look at if you're looking for, for somebody to follow, don't follow somebody that's going to exalt themselves. Christ was exalted by, by God himself. At his, at his baptism, the Spirit spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He, he, didn't, he didn't coronate himself. He was coronated by God. And, and so here he goes and he says, and, I, and so he prepared for himself chariots. I love that. He not only said, I'm going to exalt myself, but he orchestrated everything. I mean, you got to give him an A for effort. I mean, he was planning ahead. He provided himself with chariots. He orchestrated the event. Always be, be skeptical of people that exalt themselves and then orchestrate the event. It's kind of like politics, isn't it? Let's, let's go on. And, and, uh, so 1 Kings chapter, verse 6, 
This is what verse 6 says. And he said, now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time. Think about that for a moment. Scripture says the rod and reproof give correction. That rod, that sounds really difficult, really arduous, really harsh, doesn't it? So I looked up the definition of rod because I, I would thought, you know, certainly we've lost something in translation. So the original meaning of the word is club. I'm not advocating that you bludgeon your children with a club. What, what, I, what I am saying that that if you're left to your own ways, if you get to do what seems right in your own eyes, the Bible says that there is a way that seems right unto us, but the way at the end of it is, is death. And this is my own personal feeling, this is my own opinion, and you can disagree and be wrong if you want. Uh, but I, I do believe that we, are, we live in a, in a generation where we have uh, a generation that has not been trained in the ways of God, that doesn't have any discipline when it comes to loving God and respecting God. And, and, and I don't lay that just at the feet of the parents. I lay that at the feet of the pastors. I lay that at the feet of the church that we have spoken so much about the love of God and about the grace of God, but there's also a component of God that is holy and righteous, and He not only calls us and, and forgives us of our sins, but he, he calls us from our sins to be like Him and gives us the power and equips us to be able to, to be transformed by walking in a relationship with Him. You see, because religion is, is just a set of rules that, that we uh, ascribe to from time to time to help us get there, but, but Christ came not for religion, not so we could establish a, a, a set of rules that we could live by, but he came and gave us salvation so that we could have a relationship with him. And it's in that personal, intimate relationship with Christ that we form our identity, that we form who we are, that, that it allows us to grow and gives us definite ideas and it gives us the the ability to be able to stand and know that 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 what you believe in and what you really are in your core values it's those it's that relationship that you have with God that allowed Daniel to be able to say, I don't care if the king told me I can't pray. My relationship with God is more important than my life in this world. And there are some things that I will die for rather than give up. My friends, today, today, this is not in the notes, so all this is free. Today, God is looking for men and women. God is looking for people that, that he has forgiven. He is looking for people that, that, have, that have 
called him Lord and Savior, and he is looking for men and women that will develop the character within them that it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because if you want to get somebody's attention that's looking for direction, get somebody that knows exactly who they are and where they're going and why they're doing it, and that are uncompromising in what they say and what they do. And it's, it's that time in our culture that people are looking for rigidity in, the, in your backbone. Let's just, let's just say it the way it is. That we need people, men and women of character, that are going to be able to say, I am a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. So. All right, all of that because we talked about beating kids with rods. Uh, all right. But I do believe, I do believe we are in a time that, that people are looking, looking for direction. Notice that he said, uh, when we went on, he said, now his father, King David, had never taught him and, and never asked him what he was doing. And Adonijah, this is really a, a strange thing, Adonijah was a very handsome man. And had been born next to Absalom. In other words, he, was, he, he looked the part. And he acted the part. But wasn't the part. See, it's, it's very easy for us to look the part. You know, and a lot, a lot of people that, that, that I know, we, we, you know, we all speak various languages. We speak, uh, hopefully most of us speak English. Uh, and we can speak Spanish, and we can speak French and, and Italian, and if you're in the church, you can speak Christianese. You know what to say? Oh, that person hurt? Oh, bless their heart. Let's pray for them. We know. We know what to say, and when to say, it and how to say it, and with, with empathy, and, and, but that's looking the part is not what will get the job done. It's being the part. Adonijah looked the part. And if you would, go on to my next slide, if you would, in verse 10. He said, but he did not invite. He, he, this is what Adonijah decided to do. He decided that, okay, I'm going to promote myself. And he, and he had 50 men running before him. And he set up this big feast. And he had a lot of the leaders there, and he had almost all of his brothers and his family there, and they were going to anoint him king and without his dad's permission. He was just exalting himself and making himself king. But he says, he did not invite Nathan the prophet or Benaniah or the king's bodyguard or even his brother Solomon. And you say, well, why didn't he invite them? And it's simply this. He knew that they would not go along with his plan. People that promote themselves do not like a dissenting opinion. It's important today to make sure that when you're speaking in the name of Christ, that you need to understand that your voice may not be popular. Truth sometimes hurts. But the voice of the church is not popular in many secular circles. 
but it is the voice of truth. It's the voice of reality. It's the voice of what is going to happen and what is happening. It's, it's when the Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were commanded by, to bow down and worship, and, and they chose not to. They chose not to, even though all of their counterparts did, and they were all saying, well, you know, it's just something that's going on. We can do it. We can still serve God. They were the ones that said, we're not bowing our knee. We're not doing it. We're not compromising. We are not going to go along with the status quo. And there are some things that that we can go along with in culture. And there are some things that we can abide by when you're, when you're, uh, when you owe taxes, you pay your taxes. When, when the law says that you need to do something, then you're obedient to the laws of the land. But the only time that, that I would ever encourage anybody to go against popular culture or what's going on, when it goes against the law of God. Because I am going to follow God rather than man. He didn't choose them. He didn't call them. Because he knew that they were going to give a dissenting opinion. He knew that they weren't going to go along with his scheme. Your voice of the church may not be popular with everybody. Don't worry if if you're talking about Christ and somebody doesn't think that that's pertinent or relevant in our day. Because it is. Not everybody wants to hear it. So, so they, he invited them, and then in, in the story, the story goes like this, that, that after this, David gets word of what's happened, and he's already said that Solomon was going to be king. So Solomon, David says, Solomon, you get, you get on my horse, and, and, and he crowns Solomon king. And, and in verse 40, if you, would, if you would go there, he said, And all the people returned with Solomon to Jerusalem, playing flutes and shouting for joy. And the celebration was so joyous and noisy that the earth shook with the sound. While Adonijah was self-proclaiming that he was king, David anointed Solomon and the people followed Solomon. And you say... Well, what can I do as a, as a believer? What can I do? What difference can I make in, my, in the world today? If God has called me, God's allowed me to live in this time. And, and, and what a great opportunity to allow the voice of God to be heard through our, through our life and through our, our message. And you say, well, what can I do? The mo- number one thing that you can do, the number one thing that anybody can do, is have the voice of coronation proclaim Christ as king. When the people began to follow Solomon, Adonijah's plans crumbled and fell. I believe that when people really begin to follow Christ, others will follow with them. When you give direction and purpose and meaning, 
See, you will never have civil rest or social justice under an illegitimate leader. It only comes through the one that, that God has ordained. And only when Christ is king will you have equality and respect and general care for all. What, what, what our world is searching for, they will never find under the leadership of man. It's only when Christ is crowned king in your life. It's only when Christ is the central ruler in your own life that others will begin to understand that what they're really looking for is only found in Christ. So let us be the church. Let's rise to the challenge. Let us declare that Christ is the way, the truth in their life. Allow Christ to be ruler of all. After December 7th, 1941, here's the, the U.S. is still struggling with, with financial issues and they haven't concerned themselves in World War II. But on December 7th, 1941, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor and awoke a sleeping giant and the U.S. engaged in World War II. And people in the U.S. gained a purpose and a direction and everybody was focused on one thing. And there was something that came out of that. And you say, well, well, yeah, we won the war. But there was something more significant than that. More than the, than the temporal things that we see of, of, of the allies defeating the Axis army. It's, it was something spiritual that happened. Because men and women in the United States for, for several decades had been placating their Christian values and their Christian faith. But engaged in difficult times in an arduous struggle for life, men and women, not only in the U.S., but I'm speaking of our country, they got on their knees. And there was a revival that was birthed in this country that brought great leaders such as Billy Graham, that, that set a church movement where churches were not only revitalized, but thousands upon thousands of churches were established in the U.S., that, that people began to, to serve God, that missions was formed, and, and we sent more missionaries from the United States than we had at any other time because the church found its voice found its direction, found its significance, and found its purpose in coronating Christ as King of Kings. And when the church did that, it ushered in an era of revival that transformed this country. And so you say today, as our, as our praise team comes back, what can I do? What difference can I make? I'm, I'm going to allow the words of a song that our children sing to speak for us. 
this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Christ has given us everything we need. The world is looking for direction. It's looking for purpose. It's looking for significance. It's looking for what you have found. That true freedom only comes through surrender to Christ as King. There is a coming kingdom. Would you stand with me? There is a coming kingdom. I believe in not too distant future that Christ will establish his kingdom. That's not something we just think is going to happen. It's going to happen. When? In his time. But for us here today, right now, in this, in this environment that our world is living in and in all of the different voices that you hear from and all the, the different conspiracy theories, because there's a lot of them out there. Man, it's a lot of fun to read them. Now, but in all of this, in, in everything that's going on, you have been given a glorious opportunity to make a difference. And you say, well, well, how am I going to make a difference? That's between you and the Lord. See, there was a man in, in the scripture named Ananias. And Ananias, we only hear of him one time in the book of Acts. And, and he, was a, he was a believer. He was following the Lord and he was praying. And the Lord spoke to him. And, not, and the Lord not only spoke to him, but he understood what the Lord was saying. So you know he had a relationship with Christ. And the Lord said, I want you to go pray for Saul of Tarsus. Now you have to remember that Saul was throwing Christians into prison. He was an enemy of the church. And nowhere in the scripture does, does the Lord say to Ananias, Ananias, I've changed him. He only says, I'm going to use him for my purpose. Your job is to go pray for him so he can be a follower of Christ. And that's the only time we hear of Ananias. And yet, his obedience, his passion, his direction, his purpose in serving Christ affected one man, Saul of Tarsus, that changed his name to Paul, that wrote most of the New Testament and turned the, the known world upside down for Christ. You say, what can I do? Do you have a Saul in your life? Maybe you are him. You have a part to play. And it all comes down to one thing. Coronating Christ as King of Kings. Can we do that today? Would you pray with me?